Welcome to Asbury Pod with Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. This week, we talk to members of Asbury Park's local music scene. Joining us today are singer-songwriter Pamela Flores and trombonist Ian Gray, ringleader of the Ocean Avenue Stompers Brass Band and Horn About Town for Everyone, from Remember Jones to Darlene Love and any band that might be playing live in Asbury Park. We discuss the impact of the COVID crisis on the lives of professional musicians, why Spotify hasn't made anyone other than Spotify rich, the plight of trombone players in Scranton, and how people can support local musicians while live venues are shuttered. Welcome, Pamela and Ian. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. It's October 27th. It's Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. We're doing Esbury Pod. And I have seven, not that I'm counting, seven more days until this election is over. And those seven days can't go fast enough. But your sign is still outside my house, so no one's torn it down. Or oh, it. Well, you're one of the few. Yep. And I will also say it's the hardest election cycle because of, well, for a lot of reasons, but like the pan, so when I knock on doors normally, people are complaining about their taxes um, or I don't know, um, the school system or, or the zoning board or the planning board or whatever it is people are complaining about. And so I'm used to that. This isn't my first time at the rodeo and um, I'm used to dealing with those questions. What I'm not used to is I have a low grade depression. I've lost my job. I'm very anxious. I think I'm going to lose my house, right? All things that I, as a uh, council person, don't have a tremendous amount of control over other than we can use CARES money for rent, helping people pay rent. You know, we're going to use CARES money to help small business, um, but I can't get you a job and get your mortgage payments um, up to speed. So it's like the worst election cycle for a lot of reasons. And that is one of them. And then a president who kind of fans the flames. So let's hope our next podcast are better days, better days, better days. So who are we talking to today, Amy? We are (laughs) talking as I dump all of that. Um, And I know that we, well, two of us have mugs and I'm just openly drinking, but I have to say one friend of mine, I'm not going to say her last name because she's well-known, Laura, I'll just say her first name, Laura, tapes a teabag string to her mug. So when she's at meetings, <laughs> it appears she's drinking tea. Love that. So, I totally could we totally give her credit for being the most brilliant <laughs> of any of us with her teabag string and her mug? It's amazing. Um, I know That's we had a League of Women Voters debate. I'm going to say this one last thing. And and um, I'm, and Eileen Chapman, who's on council with me, who's obviously big fans of both of yours and very involved in the, in the music world of Esbury Park. Um, I'm, I said, are you, are you drinking? And she's like, yeah. What, does it look like water? And I was like, no. And you're and here's how she's drinking. <laughs> right, like a life depends on it because we're surviving this League of Women Voters debate, right? And I'm like, that looks like the opposite of water, Eileen. It is so, you are so clearly drinking, which I assume we're allowed. So I assume I'm allowed to tell that story. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> we'll find this out. Pod, yeah, we'll say she's irritated. We are talking, we really wanted to talk to performers in the age of COVID. And two of my favorite performers are coming. Um Pamela Flores and Ian Gray of, and, and that's all I'm going to say about you. And then why don't you guys kind of describe uh, yourselves after that point? So Pam, you start. Ladies first. <laughs> okay, I'll start. Um, yeah, uh, just a 
singer songwriter, you know, based out of Asbury Park. That's right. No, I'm terrible at describing myself. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> She's a long-term uh, singer-songwriter in Asbury Park scene, right? Have yeah. worked in and around Asbury, right? And interwoven at the yes. at Ming, our benefactor of recording geniuses, rock climbing gym. So yeah. you're familiar with <laughs> everywhere. Faces, you know? and, uh, <laughs> and Ian Gray, right? Is that, uh, um, is it Ian or Ian? It's Ian. Oh, yeah. I'm Scottish. <laughs> from the ocean avenue stompers which are, you guys are kind of new on the I, I don't know your career before that but the ocean avenue stompers are sort of a uh new on the asbury scene why don't you tell us about what you guys do yeah sure um it's it's funny because like uh the name came about like four years ago uh well as see here now is developing and tim donnelly was like i'm like dude I, I need a name for a band and he's just like what about Ocean Avenue? He, he totally gave the name and I was like, uh, I don't know. And then came around to it. And uh, so, you know, we've been playing events in town for about five years now from like the Asbury Park Beer Fest and different events. But, uh, you know, I've been um, I'm a freelance trombone player and arranger. I play with a bunch of different bands in town. I lived in Philadelphia. My family and I had a business. My family had a business in Asbury Park that I used to work at. Uh, but the shops, the arcade and convention hall for years. And uh, well, yeah. So COVID really led straight into, um, you know, I'm not in a band. I'm not touring anymore. I've been on the road for years and uh, now it's time to, you know, reach the roots and the connections of the town that I've had and put it all together. And uh, we've had our obstacles, but uh, that's, yeah. I mean, I'm glad the name's getting out finally. Well, the, the interesting thing is, you know, you came to my attention because of COVID, right? You guys have sort of, um, not flash mob, decided, you know, we're going to play the, uh, what is the, the closed in area, the, the pedestrian way that Cookman has become. So sort of showing up in the middle of like COVID misery, it's like, well, we're going to bring some live music to the, you know, downtown, which is that, so forgive me for not knowing previously, but like I've seen you guys around a lot on social media. I was like, where do these guys come from? Right. Um, <laughs> and, um, and in residential, I feel like I've seen you walking by tides and residential neighborhoods playing, maybe getting to to the gig that you were you were playing at. But I feel like I I think I first saw you walking down a resident the Ocean Up Stoppers yeah. walking down a residential street. Maybe you were on your way to Cookman, but I was like, oh wow. So we we wouldn't be able like I so pretty much what ha the band's me and I just hire people from different walks of life for the past ten years from Philly from New York from the cats who I can trust from around this area who you know can use their voice and and really bring it and uh, really the only reason we started playing on Cookman was because people started catching wind like oh we can hire this band to play our front lawn for a birthday for a graduation the whole thing really started was was uh. In late April, outside the Stone Pony, I was filming a video uh, with a drone just sort of playing pomp and circumstance. And we wanted to, you know, be able to go to people's lawns or maybe on a trailer and just go from house to house, like for school districts to go play pomp and circumstance, you know, maybe as like they had those drive by, like, here's your diploma kind of thing with the print. You, you see those videos and all that. Um, so it started with that. And then it really turned into like, people being like, Oh, this is a way I can actually contribute to the local music scene. Like I can hire these guys to play on my lawn. And that allows me to financially support the musicians enough to be like, let's, you know, let's go down to Cookman and play. Otherwise I, I, I would not have a band. <laughs> well, that's the problem right now, isn't it? Like inside, inside venues are just shut down right now. So Pam, uh, you, I don't know what, I'm sorry, Amy, I feel like I cut you off there, but I no, I, I think I was going to ask the same question you were, which is like, when yeah. was the last time you both played inside? And also, Pam, I feel like you have a unique story because you move, you know, I was at your going away yeah. playoff uh, to move to California, I assume to pursue music and then yeah. the pandemic hit. So, you know, I think I think that's really interesting, just as somebody who saw the last time you played before you left. Yeah, Um yeah, it, it was pretty crazy. I mean, you know, literally this time, exactly this time last year, I was, you know, driving cross country to just, you know, to the next chapter in LA. And, you know, it, it's, 
I was there for about six months until everything shut down. And I remember, um, so I started working at a music school out there in LA and, uh, I, I remember a student came in and she said, oh, our school is shutting down. And I was like, that's crazy. And then like parents coming in and talking about how Whole Foods is crazy and nobody can find toilet paper. I was like, that's nuts. And then the next day we get word that um, all of Los Angeles is on lockdown and that, you know, it's going to last for like maybe a month or a couple of weeks. Well, obviously, you know, things are still not great, but um, yeah, I mean, I thankfully have been able to play a couple of shows out there. Um, I was able to play Globe Theater, uh, played Hotel Cafe um, and with everything shutting down, it's definitely has caused a bit of a roadblock in my plans for this past year. Um, you know, I, I didn't plan on coming back to Asbury Park. I'm very grateful that I can. Um, you know, Asbury is, is awesome and, and I will continuously, you know, s support our scene. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, it's been a crazy year. <laughs> I think the COVID has amplified a, a bigger problem for live musicians is how to support yourself as a musician. I think. Yeah. Um, it's, it's certainly evolved a lot in the past nine months or whatever, you know, whatever it's been. But even, even before that, you know, you know, I have friends who are musicians in New York, you know, New York city and they never get paid prior to COVID. Right. So, you know, these, all these Juilliard trained, uh, you know, classical jazz musicians, they play out in the bars like, well, we're just going to give you beer money or whatever yeah. get at the door and that, and that is it. It's you know, the, world, the world's greatest <laughs> musicians are out there like passing the hat and they all have day jobs. Right. So, so prior to COVID, it was difficult. I can't imagine now, now it's all, is it, is it all, you know, Venmo live stream? And I've, I've if you're lucky. Yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> you're sort of hitting on two things here, but like, uh, and, and I would love to discuss too, going into it. Like first, right. Like for me, for me, it was like, I was on the road with, with remember Jones for a month. And, uh, you know, we were, you know, we've been, that band's been taking off for the past couple of years, but, you know, bringing a 13 piece operation across the country is insane to begin with. And, um, so, you know, COVID happened like a week after we were on the road for a month and I had a couple hundred bucks in my pocket and, you know, that Friday night, the 13th, it was like, it, it right. No, the 12th, it was March 12th. I'll never forget it. Cause it was like, all right, I was supposed to play with Shady Street Show Band at the Stone Pony opening for Moroccan Sheep Herders and stop in Langosta, sit in with like Matt Wade or Sandy Mac that night and then go down and sit in with Rachel Dopkin at the Wonder Bar. It was one of those like awesome Asbury nights where it's like you're touring and then you come back and within two blocks you can just, you know, as a horn player, that's the one thing I, you know, got going on is can sit in with different people. But like all, all of that, you know, by Tuesday... The, and Wednesday, the Pony show was canceled. The Wonder Bar was canned. And Pat Roddy was still playing at Joe's Surf Shack. And I was like, hey, man, can I sit in? And that was my last gig. <laughs> I'd like, and what date was that, Ian? That was, that was March 12th, Friday, March, March 12th. 12th. So, Pamela, I'm curious about your timeline because I've told this story before. So, we, so Asbury shut down actually before the governor. And the reason we shut down before the governor is because a bunch of, I was out at, Jimmy, I was out Friday night, which was, I think, a rainy night. And so it wasn't super packed, right? We, it wasn't crazy. And I call John, the mayor, and I'm like, you know, I think people are really taking this seriously. It's not super crazy out. And then I went out Saturday night and it was every Johnny Mac, Watermark. I was at Jimmy's bar packed and they up on Jimmy's bar, they had old sports shows because we were no longer at that point playing sports. And I kept telling, and so the poor old guy next to me at Jimmy's, this old Italian guy thinks nothing's happening, right? Because he's yeah. still watching sports. <laughs> and me and my wife are like, oh my God, sports ended like two weeks ago. So Sunday morning, we we, we woke up and we were like, we have to shut it all down. And so we, we did, we shut it down that Sunday. And then the governor shut it down shortly thereafter, I'm gonna say within 24 to 48 hours after that. But when you say you were surprised, we, it was no surprise to me that we had to shut down because there yeah. was no social distancing happening at the very least on Saturday night in Asbury. Yeah. Pam, did you have to drive back from LA? 
Yeah. <laughs> I, so I actually, um, um, but what is your date of shutdown, Pamela? Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, so we actually shut down March 13th. Oh, you Friday, oh so you're the same Friday, date 13th. as us. Okay. okay yeah. Um, but we 13th. were, yeah. Yeah. But we were, it was the 13th. Um, I checked when you were like the 12th and I was like, I think it's the 13th. <laughs> it was Friday the 13th. Yeah, Cause it was Friday the 13th. Of course. And Correct. It was Friday the 13th. Right, right, right. And I remember, so, um, when I, when I moved out to LA, I, um, went to move, I moved into an artist commune that ha- housed, uh, around 40 people. So I'm in this house with 40 other people and everybody's kind of freaking out. Um, because you know, it's, we obviously don't all know what each other's schedules are, what everybody is doing. Is everybody keeping safe? And yeah, it, it was definitely, um, nerve wracking at the time because everybody just started to leave one by one. You know, I remember, uh, so not everything had shut down right away in LA. There was, um, um, uh, like a curfew, but, um, and, and certain stores, um, I also worked at, um, a shop in universal studios that was shut down. Universal studios shut down, Disney shut down. Um, but the trails were still open. And I remember one day me and two of my roommates, one from Australia, one from Mexico, we went hiking and then we came back home. I went and took a nap, woke up and the guy from Australia was gone. He was like, he just packed up and had to leave. And that's just how it started going where everybody just, just started leaving right away. And it was very frantic. And I was like, I don't want to stay you know, in, in a house with that many people with all of this going on. So I ended up moving into a studio apartment for a month. And by that time, that was in May, uh, that was in April. And it was incredibly isolating, you know, because I had just moved to Los Angeles. Um, even though I had a good solid group of friends, everybody was leaving. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty crazy month. And then I ended up driving off to Arizona and spending about a month and a half in Arizona. And then, yeah. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to drive to Jersey. (laughs) And it it took me three days to get here. (laughs) I, I like booked it over here. I did not want to be on the road. I did not want to be around people. I felt like I was literally just like leaving like an explosion every single time. It was just like behind me, but yeah. yeah. How do you stop at the road stop? Uh, yeah. Pandemic. Yeah, very exactly. Carefully. Very yeah. carefully. Yeah. Intense- I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no, go ahead. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, I, I literally just stopped, would stop for gas and that was it. And just would keep going. So, so is the traveling part of the, the stop, the ocean of stompers was, is that the result of COVID or was, or was the traveling bit always part of what you did? Um, traveling. And when I say traveling, like by foot, I mean, like marching, like marching, (laughs) (laughs) like a marching. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know, the whole concept is, uh, to be a, a mobile band and not, you know, need amplification or any wires or clubs or anything like that. It was just to, you know, play and bring entertainment like right to people. Um, so like, yeah, it's the whole concept is completely inspired by new Orleans and my love for that music. And, um, you know, actually like it's crazy too, just thinking about like when, uh, remember Jones was on, on the road in February, uh, we were there in new Orleans for Mardi Gras. And I have a couple of friends like from Belmar who I was just like, I can't believe this. Like we're here for three days and have an Airbnb. And, uh, I sat in with a bunch of bands ended up getting paid. Like I picked, got picked up to like play on Frenchman street. And then I played, uh, on bourbon, you know, I played, uh, Mardi Gras morning, like in St. Jack, you know, Jackson square, uh, for Mardi Gras. And, uh, it's crazy to think a month later, like I was just having like nightmares all through March and April, just like, Oh, my career's over. I got to go back to cooking. Like, I wonder if Marilyn will hook, you know, hire me as an Exmo again. Like, I don't know what am I going to do? Um, and 
it was just horrifying. It's just, I mean, I, I think there's every musician has to have some level of trauma. I mean, if you're a freelance professional or a full-time musician like Pam, you know, Pam, I know you're like totally, you do lessons, you perform, you songwrite, you collaborate with people. That's, that's your, like we, we have very different careers, but very similar ones because we dedicate our lives to it. But um, it's just, it's just insane. So anyway, my answer to that question is the marching element of it became of a ways of survival because that was the way we could gig. That was, we could make cash money and uh, we could, you know, I could get some musicians who were struggling paid. So that's really what lit the fire for me to get it done and get out there. And, uh, you know, I was going to, one of the questions I was going to ask is what was the last time, last live show you saw before the shutdown of someone else. And I realized the last, 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 live show I saw was actually, I saw you Ian, on uh porch fest. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just wandering around seeing people. And uh, Pam, did you play porch fest? I don't know. I didn't yeah. get to your side. I, I, we played together. I did. Yeah. Actually, uh, Ian and ocean Avenue stompers joined me for, for a song. I did not get to your set, and, <laughs> uh, but I will say, um, yeah, that's such a great thing. I mean, everyone loves a brass band, right? And, and, and I don't know why Ian can I ask, where did you learn how to play? Were you in marching um, band in high school? Yeah. Like, I, I went to man school in high school. I joined marching band in eighth grade and, uh, and then senior year I was a drum major and then we like went to Disney world and stuff. And, uh, so I have a twin sister. She used to manage the market down on fourth Ave and in convention hall. Um, she's a painter and a visual artist and, she was in drama club. I was, she was like president of drama club and choir. I was president of the band and the drum major. And, um, she got into university of the arts in Philadelphia. And, um, I like went to an open house to check it out because I wanted to pursue firefighting. I really, my dream's always been as being Asbury park firefighter. But, um, so she like, they like brought my trombone in the back of the car and set me up with, and an, an audition and I uh, got in and just like sort of overnight, you know, I went from wanting to be a firefighter to being into music education to being like, Oh, I didn't know I had this in me. I'm supposed to be a touring musician, like, and a performer. So, uh, I had, yeah. a, I had a little bullet that I was going to say, uh, just a statement that says, Hey, there should be more trombone players in the world. And not a question. I was just throwing it out. <laughs> Like a fact, trom- right? Being a trombone player, does it like that make you like I was on the bowling team? And so guess <laughs> who didn't want to sleep with me in high school? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Not even the, the bowling, other bowlers. The so. bowling team <laughs> got me zip, zip. Um, but in, in being a trombone player, like is that something that makes you popular in a place in high school? Well, I mean, I, I think it's funny because like my sister had her group of friends, I had my group of friends, and I also worked at an Italian restaurant. So like I, I had more like, you know what I mean? Like I, I was out in the world, you know, like doing firefighter training and hanging out with people going fishing and being like a townsperson as a child versus like someone who sat in a closet all day and practiced trombone. So I'm definitely a very like rogue trombone player. And I, you know, like in New Orleans, like you learn it by getting thrown it by your uncle. And if you're good, you know, if you're better at that than trumpet, that's what you play. And like, I think it's funny because it's like playing trombone. The fact that I'm a trombone player has helped me like work with like most bands in Asbury Park. And it's just like, it's sort of crazy to think about like how just my instrument alone, the individuality of that has, has led to that. But uh, it's such a goofy instrument. It's fun. <laughs> and how has it like, how has it helped you with working with other people? I'm just curious. I'm the least music probably um, person on this music in the sense that I don't know my wife uh was in a band a punk band when we met she plays a bunch of instruments but I'm Uh, the least musically inclined person I am sure no question on this podcast I I think and just to break it down quickly like um it it doesn't really matter what instrument you play right when it comes down to like if you play it passionately and confidently and every note you know people sort of can tell you mean it that is going to get you somewhere no matter what and that might, you know, put you up against other great player, guitar players in town or other singer songwriters. But if you're, you know, as a horn player, um, it just, 
it sort of got me up a couple levels really quick. Like right after college, I started getting calls to sub in with Southside John Yasbury Jukes. And I'm this like 23 year old kid up there wailing trombone. And they're like, <laughs> they're, they're, at fir- they're at first just like, all right, man, you know, take your time. It's a long gig. It's a rock and roll gig. It's there's a lot of playing. All right. And by the end of it, they're like, sorry, I said that you're yeah. good job. <laughs> just like, good. You know, but, uh, and that's led to a lot too. I mean, just like, just literally being a trombone player from Asbury Park has led me to work with artists like, like Darlene Love because of Mark Ribbler and seeing and just simply going to, um, you know, uh, McLoon's and to- knowing Tony mm-hmm. from Light of Day got me, you know, to sneak into McLoon's to meet Mark Ribbler, to meet Jack Daly, to start working with Darlene Love, then work with Stephen Van Zant when Mark took, you know, took over MDing for his band. And it really just came down to being a trombone player from Asbury Park. Like if I wasn't from this town or embodied it as my like hometown or spirit, I don't think I'd have a career be doing anything that I'm doing right now. Yeah, sure. There's a tr- trombone player in Scranton. It's like, die, was born in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> and, there, and there's a lesbian on the bowling team being like, I should pick up trombone. Wait, what's a trombone? <laughs> so, hey, I teach lessons now. Uh, <laughs> um, and we I think... I would also be curious, Pamela, how you started playing as well. Um, I, I basically have been singing since I've been like out of the womb. Um, I started doing voice lessons uh, at the age of 12. And then I went off to college and I went to uh, AMDA, uh, which is the American Musical and Dramatic Academy in New York City. Um, and that was more so... Uh, musical theater based. Um, so as far as instruments and everything, um, I, I was actually just talking to Ian about this yesterday. Um, I literally learned how to play guitar um, once I moved to Asbury Park uh, six years ago. So, you know, I, I've always loved to write. I used to do, um, I was part of like a few couple of poetry clubs um, when I was younger and would do like poetry contests and I just always love to sing and write. And it just made sense to, you know, it's not even just making sense, but there was every single ounce of me just knew that, that this is what I wanted to do was, was write music, you know? And, um, and yeah. Pam, I have a question to, to make it as a singer songwriter. And this is, um, it's different than being a horn player because the horn, like you've got a whole wall of sound between you and the audience, right? So as a singer songwriter, you have to repeatedly get in front of crowds who are not familiar with your songs and sing them to strangers. Right. And so on on a scale of like one to like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. Like, you know, how scary, how scary is that to get up? And the reason I'm thinking about that is because audiences are so, are so rude to establish acts. Are they, are audiences really rude? (laughs) especially philadelphia and asbury park let's just give the shout out right now <laughs> I would, and i was gonna think of two instances here in asbury that i saw i saw lucinda williams at the stone pony um where you know she was doing an acoustic set at the beginning of her uh set and people are, you're standing right in front of her and the person right behind me was talking about her landscaper and i'm like oh my god it's like, she's like please right, stop yeah. like she's right lucinda williams is right there you're like 10 feet away, like step outside. And the other one is that I saw the Wood Brothers at, uh, at the Wonder oh, Bar. Oh, man. The, Amazing. And they were like. So screwed up. Yeah. Did you see that? Oh, you the yeah. Show? They were like, can you guys, like, there was people in the bar from before, you know, it was a beach bar, right? So there were people in the bar who were there before they started taking a cover who had no idea what the Wood Brothers were or Karen. So they were just at a bar. Wood Brothers, I've never been at a show like where the Wood Brothers. Uh, can you guys shut up? <laughs> you yeah, know? and I gotta just interject. Like we're a rock and roll town, straight up. Like if you're not rock and rolling, like people people lose attention, and it it's so hard to gain it. Like cake. Cake comes to Asbury Park and tortures everyone. They're just like, we're gonna take like two minutes in between our song because you're all talking and the stone like you can't turn the summer stage sound system up unless you want everyone within a mile to move away, you know, like or or call yeah. me and complain, Ian. Or call oh, me and complain. <laughs> the slapback off the Berkeley has been terrible. I can't wait to hear the Ocean Club reviews like in the next 
you know, as soon as we get it back up and going, but they'll so, find out what they sign up for soon. So the, yeah. the, la- the last line of my question is Pam is like, after all that, like to get up there, you have superpowers, right? Like, um, so how do you get up in front of people and do that? I mean, what, um, Oh, it's nerve wracking. I like from like a scale of one to 10, it's 100% a 10 almost every single time. I have the absolute like worst stage fright and anxiety, but the the love I have for performing and with being able to just like pour my heart out and maybe have a couple of people in the audience who connect with that is worth it all is worth all of it. And yeah, there's been times where, cause you know, I, I, I'm a bit sassy, you know, I, I definitely have told a couple of people off, you know, there, there was one time where I had like this, you know, drunk porta type of gal right in the front and you know her and her friends were like laughing i don't know if they were laughing at me and my band but didn't matter to me and i got right on the mic and told them to shut the fuck up <laughs> but you know like and they did and you know but that's it, it also the asbury park motto of like can please everyone just shut the fuck up just shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> but you know like yeah. i think it also all depends on 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 the on the environment, you know, if people are there specifically to see songwriters, um, I think a lot of them will respect, will respect, uh, whoever's on stage. Um, if I'm playing a bar gig, that's like, you know, where they want me to play mostly covers. I don't really care too much. If people are talking over me, they're not here for me. They're, they're here for the, for the booze, but, um, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's nerve wracking. And I think that's probably why it's taken me this long to actually go out there and, and, you know, perform my own music. Um, because I have only been doing this for about five years, six years. Um, but. And if yeah. anyone hasn't, um, your live music is available on Spotify. Cause I was going to tie this into like, how do people make money? And so yeah. does Spotify pay anything? I mean, to, to artists, you know, I listened to your live album on Spotify yesterday. So does that mean you're rich today or. I, thank you so much. <laughs> um, you just paid off all my student loans. <laughs> that one stream. Thank right. you. <laughs> uh, we are currently, uh, I mean, musicians united all across the world and the country are now um, fighting really hard to get one cent per stream. Because um, <laughs> yeah. you're getting paid like hundreds of a fraction of a penny per stream. And it's it's just it's disgusting. Like like if there's one good thing about COVID, it is really bringing musicians together to be like, yo, enough is enough. Let's get paid what we need to get paid. Respect us. And, you know, we, you guys need us. People need us too, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to hijack that. No, question. that's, a, I mean, no, that's the, that's the rant. <laughs> I, that's the rant I want to hear it. because it's an absurd thing. Look at how absurd is your demand? Just one cent per stream. Can I get one penny for that? And that's a, you know, that seems perfectly reasonable. And I'm sure Spotify, or are they from Finland? They're probably like, oh no. Not right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know how to do a finish. Well, Trade Center, they have like 16 floors up there. But uh, speaking of what? New York, just to throw in there, I, I did a march three weeks ago for musicians rights and we um, it was for the Tonight Show bands and um, we marched with a lot of Colbert's band and a lot of the Roots crew from Philly who I've you know met and worked with over the years. And that's why I went because I have a connection because, you know, La Bama and Pender on Conan are, are Asbury dudes. And they like as a horn player achieve like the dream. They're on the Tonight Show. They have a steady gig. Um, you know, none of the musicians who are on Tonight Show today make anywhere near to a third of what Johnny Carson's band used to make. And none of them get paid healthcare from Lenny Pickett, 40 years on SNL to anyone. And it's so insane how bad the top of our town is treated. And if we allow that president to be set, we allow that for ourselves from, you know, down to everyone. So mm-hmm. if we don't unite and fight for the top, we have to, it's hard. It, you know? There used to be a musician's union that was, that used to flex hard on live music in New York. Is that um, like, I'm yeah, thinking, too. Uh, you know, I don't know if, you know, is that has the anti-union trend of the world sort of destroyed that or is it, are they there, struggling? You know, are they still out there? 
like the guy who I went, who organized the March, Ray Mason, he's a fantastic trombone player who is, you know, iconically in Lady Antebellum's band and toured with Mark Ronson and is on, he, Uptown Funk is him. You know, that's, you know, okay. he did a lot of cool stuff, but he organized it with Local 802 insisting like, listen, we need younger people out. We need younger voices in the local. We're not going to change it. You know, there's the older guys who have been on Broadway for 30 years who want their pension and want their money. And that's all they care about. And there's the younger people who care about, let's get health care. Let's get the basics first before talking about retirement. You know, it's a big battle of like, I paid into this for 30 years and this is what I'm entitled to. And I want to join this. And this is the bare minimum you need to do for me to join it. So it's, it's, it's a tough struggle, but it's very interesting right now. There's a lot going on. And I don't think it's just for musicians. So I'm the public art commission with, um, with a bunch of people, but Jen Hampton, and she is such a pioneer on ensuring artists get paid because Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many people say, pay for your own paint, design that mural, put that mural up, get your, you know, get the ladders, get the lifts and put your name in very, 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 very little writing to the right of it and do all of that for free and, and really devalues the craft of, of what a, a muralist is or what like, a trombone player is or what a singer songwriter is. It's, it's like, and we have to constantly all, yeah. say, you know, here's what we can give you. We can get you all the paint. We can get you the ladder. We can get you the lift and you can put your name as little or as big as you want on a, you know, when it's, when it's through the public art commission, but, um, the de- the de- de- the devaluing of it is in the per- and per- and perpetuating and it gets perpetuated because then I have people the public saying well they should just want their name on that little little tiny scrap and they should be willing to to blow three thousand dollars on that there's paint there's and time of, and effort there's a lot of people with a lot of really good ideas everywhere around the world there's especially in New Jersey everyone sort of there's this concept of everyone knowing each other, which makes us the greatest state in the world and then makes us the most criticized, you know, which is hilarious mm. to watch that keep coming up. I just watched the Adams family and there's a total New Jersey shout out in that, but it, it, when it, there's a bottom line. Like if, if, if there's a six piece band in town and there's six players, they deserve to get paid a hundred bucks each. You know, it doesn't matter. Oh, $600 is a lot of money. You know, they, you know, musicians should get paid just like, you know, I could go wash dishes for eight hours and make a hundred dollars cash. You know, why can't we go play a gig? Because it's so much more than just 45 minutes or two songs, like two songs is eight hours worth of work, no matter what, like you're driving there, getting it together, organizing. And it's, I don't know. I think the most important thing to realize through all this is that people just don't know. So to talk about it and communicate and educate is really important, you know. I think musicians suffer from being good in that it looks easy, right? Mm. And it's does not it's not clear to the audience how many hours of practice went in. I'm I'm a uh, an amateur musician. I like to say I'm a dedicated but terrible jazz guitar player. So and I will remain terrible <laughs> my life <laughs> the rest of my life. But when you get a, a talented player, it looks effortless, right? You know, people used to say about uh, Jimi Hendrix, well, he just feeling the music. No, he played everywhere and everything for years before he could make it look like that. And so when you when Sorry. he's playing in front of you, you're paying also for 10 years of preparation, right? Or how many years of marching band. And right, no one's expecting to get rich being uh, singing in a bar, but, you know, pay me to show up and make it worth my while because otherwise I could wash dishes, right? Or something like that. Yeah, but there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's so many bands in town too that are just like, you know, like it's sort of like once you realize that you are, you know, once you realize that you are running a business, you know, it becomes real. And that's the make or break point for a lot of bands. And there's a lot of bands in in Asbury that have really fought together and they, they're talking all the time, nonstop, you know, like Ryan Gregg from Shady Street Show Bands, an excellent dude, like Pam, as he He's like, awesome. hey, he must have talked to everyone in the scene in the past yeah. three months of like, uniting a distribution way to get Asbury's music like out because it's, it's so much more than just the sound of Asbury park and, 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 and like the seventies and eighties, you know, there's a whole scene of things going on right now in the past 10 years that needs to get out there. That's struggling to get out there because of streaming and because of the expenses of everything. It's just, 
it's a real uphill battle and a big adaptation thing. But, uh, you know, we, we have a really strong scene and it's, it's cool to see everyone really starting to band together and do things together. You know, on the other hand, I think tech, technology can give an artist um, an audience that they couldn't get otherwise. You know, so for example, even uh, this isn't still not saying this is a good, uh, there's any good outcome of COVID, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of Jason Isbell and I watch he and his wife have this um, YouTube show that they call ISO lounging. And so I have Amanda Shire's Venmo number. I could text her, I guess right now. Cause they're like, can you throw 20 bucks just for the, cause you're watching the show. We st- we're still doing this. I was able to, to contribute right to the, uh, the artist in some way. And I've done that for a couple things. It's not nearly a replacement for their income, but it, you know, musicians um, on the one hand, streaming take it the way, but also gives you a lot of opportunity to, to do something and take control and be like, well, maybe I'm wrong about this. So say, Joe, that's not right. But uh, I, you can say I could do a concert in my house for my fans that, you know, who want to watch me drink this over the, over the internet. And I don't know, again, not a replacement, but at least it's an opportunity yeah. to get out in front of people. Well, it's a, it's another big difference. Just like Pam and I were sort of talking about this last night. It's just like singer, songwriter, performers, and then instrumentalists like, you know, like recording artists or something like that. Like the people who try to make the songwriters song bigger or connect more instruments, like, you know, singer songwriters were allowed the opportunity to do that by May us instrumentalists and touring artists who, you know, have to work with all these other bands are screaming, what are we going to do? Like, and, and that, that I think is the biggest thing for me with the stompers, which was just like, okay, we're going to hit the streets. It's the only way. There's no, there's no way. Do you, if we can get tips on the internet, I'm not going to bring people in this small room. We're going to go out and we're going to bring it to the streets. People can open their window just like New York City had going on, you know, and just like the Monroe Towers had on Wednesdays and Sundays. It was, it was the same concept. It's the same thing of like, let's just do something to celebrate ourselves and our culture. I think one of the things with Caroline O'Toole is... Uh, the two or three times that I have seen her and I'm always trying to get her interviewed um, about Asbury Park on who, who, whatever news organization comes to town. And she's always like, it's just so depressing for me to talk about the Stone Pony not opening, right? Because she's been there 17 years. Um, and one of the things that she finds, she finds a number of things depressing about the Pony not open. Um, but one of them was that she really felt like she tried to support smaller local acts um, you know, and that that inability to 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 help um, you know those kind of acts rise up or or provide them with an outlet to play has been. I think it was on Sundays she did she did something on Sundays that did um, and he also kids she also did kids with um, uh, Lake House that that has that whole thing has been you know really depressing for her that that. And so I imagine if you, in, unless you're Bruce, where you're fine, right? You're, you, you, it doesn't, if you play or not play, your, your rent and mortgage gets paid, your car insurance gets paid. For everybody else, it's a struggle. Yeah. I, if anything, you know, with everything shutting down, I think we have gotten, or I'm not going to speak for everybody, but me personally, I, I have seen a stronger sense of community and everybody kind of supporting each other, not just, you know, artists with artists, but with promoters, with venue owners, you know, with fans, everybody is, I I see trying their best to support one another. And, you know, the, the silver lining in it all is that there's now different ways of, of creating, right. All these live stream shows. I never did a live stream show until COVID hit. Um, I obviously would prefer to do live shows uh, in front of actual people, but you know, this has all kind of proven that we are resilient and, you know, this isn't just a hobby for us. This is literally our livelihood. And if, if we don't figure it out for ourselves, nobody else is going to, you know, so we just need to all just band together and, and help each other out. Yeah, I think across the board in Asbury, I'm just going to say like across the board, and I and I say it often that Asbury is often the wild child of Monmouth (laughs) County because people in Monmouth County and the state are always (laughs) yelling at whatever Asbury is doing. But um, throughout this pandemic, from the dinner table to the music industry, um, to the 11 food pantries who rose up, to the churches that rose up, to, um, you know, I have, I often have complaints about um, 
Asbury, but during the pandemic, I had very few that people really rose up to, to rose to the occasion. And really, honestly, for the most part, with a couple of issues, you know, follow the guidelines. And, and I say that now and I'm going to regret it, but, you know, are not, are not the picture of Donovan's Reef or, you know, the other places. We don't, we don't have that screaming cover ban bar. I mean, we do mean, well, we have two problem childs, Ian. I'll tell you that. Um, we definitely have two, but um, overall, you know, we and and the fact is, we only have two, and we have far more have yeah, yeah, yeah. places that that could be problem childs, but we, we only really have two two major ones, which I'm not sure if I'm legally allowed to say who. That's not. I will. I will write it down, and then you'll know. <laughs> please please yeah. hire the stompers. We love you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think. I mean, outside. Uh, you. Know, I was reading. Uh, you know, depressing news today. Like Germany and France are shutting down restaurants and inside venues again. Right. So we may be stuck this way for a while. But and I, Newark. So Newark is doing that. Can I also yeah. complain to you again as a town who is still paying the price for taking on Murphy, trying to get guidance mm-hmm. for indoor dining because. Mm-hmm. Our, you know, retail and indoor dining at the time were, you know, and you both, I'm sure, know this. You have Memorial Day Labor Day, Memorial Day Labor Day to make your money to get you through January, February, and March when one of the four of us are sitting at your bar and we're the only ones sitting at your bar. Yeah. So when we were trying to motivate the governor to give guidelines, like give an ETA or, you know, something so they can buy the partitions or they can buy the extra, you know, they can get the extra staff in or they can do what they have to do. Um, you know, that was, that was, that drove us crazy. And he continued to not provide guidance and whatever now. Um, but what, so I'm following that Joe in Newark, because Newark is also implementing a curfew, but nobody's telling me that restaurants are, and or quite frankly, bars, but but let me put a pin in bars for a minute and just say, rest, I'm not seeing outbreaks in restaurants or retail. So I'm not understanding why we're again using, you know, blunt force trauma across the board as opposed to a scalpel. It's I not. Know about, I don't know about retail, but I think restaurants are a vector because they're well, you know. No, like we talk I, about I'm the telling health. you, I'm reading it. They're not they, in New Jersey thus far. They have not. Well, maybe not it. here yet. Not here yet. But um. Anyway, well, you know, I cut, I stepped on what you were. I, I'm sorry, and I digressed onto. onto <laughs> oh no, it's cool. Sorry. I mean, there, there's two things, and one, like I want to say, like. You know, shutting down Cookman's great for restaurants. Now that it's cold, it's suffocating all the small businesses. So it's like, yeah. that's insane. Like it all pleases one person and, and hurts the other, you know, and, and so, yeah, it's super everyone, complicated trying to, trying to make them all happy. And that's where like for the stompers, everyone like, you know, Scotty July, you know, to Nate, you know, there's a couple awesome, awesome chefs and people who were, you know, insisting on coming, you know, inviting me for a drink and talking like, listen, if we can't hire entertainment, we all can find a way to make you happen. And it's legally, you know, you guys go everywhere in town and make everyone happy. McClune was like, dude, please like Debbie, every, everybody down at the ocean front, you know, but it's like, I, I get it. You know, I get it with the whole code, you know, once a crowd is, incited it's a whole nother thing and but enough of that right like yeah. colorado just went back to another stage they're bound to 25 people max inside and they are the first people of any other music scene like in the country that went after outdoor shows and they moved to inside now that it's getting colder with the snow and they had huge success and they just got major majorly impaled like they just got stopped in their tracks like things that are booked tomorrow they can't do people from out of town are there to play and you know we've i just helped book a show at the wonder bar on friday you know and and i'm supposed to play bar a outside earlier with pat roddy and i'm looking at the numbers and it's like like let's get back on this roller coaster you know what are we gonna do Oh, yeah, like I have a, I have a months. question for both of you. Actually, how cold is too cold to play outside? <laughs> Nothing's too cold for me. Okay. Uh, no, I, um, I'd say it's starting to get there. My fingers start mm-hmm. getting numb after a little bit, which I'm sure. It's so same hard. thing for you, Ian. But yeah, I'm trying to think that like the aperture in a trombone and anything less than 70 degrees has got to start. Yeah. Getting a little so, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, admi- 
I'll admit my questionable life decision. I've been playing the Mummers Parade for the past eight years with a 26 piece brass band that I. Sc- I mean, there's wow. nothing better. I'm than glad you lead- admitted that. Yeah, I play I play lead trombone in a 26 piece band, you know, brass band, and and it's always the best when you see the Soul Cruisers on a trailer, like, yo, what's yeah. up, Pete, Steve? Like, but uh, there was a couple of New Years. I think it was like three or four years ago. It was seven degrees, and we are out there at six o'clock in the morning. The sun's not up yet, and I discovered that uh, whiskey has a uh, lower freezing point than water does. So we started pouring whiskey on our slides. <laughs> And as we would play, our spit valves had ice, like icicles coming from it after every song, a different wow. icicle. So we've done it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's and we will. <laughs> so uh, I have a, a question about you. Um, when you were drum major, were you like, um, like the drum major for Howard University? You know, were you out there, you know, doing backflips or, uh, you know, or, or <laughs> was it an old school marching band? Well, you know, what's the cool thing about Manisco in high school. I mean, there's so much tradition, like it's such an, I mean, it's, you know, I'm biased. It's my favorite town in Monmouth County. Asbury comes second, although it has my heart, but Manisco on like, and my family has been there for like a hundred years, but like the, the music is, it's not about the field show. It's not about all this competition. It's actually about entertaining, like, and playing music up in the stands. And all of the football parents would always be like, you know, the band totally wins us you know, all of these state championships because we play like 70 different songs. And the truth of the matter is if I didn't play in the stands and did that stuff, I wouldn't know half the songs I'm sitting in playing with these, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I'm playing with, you know, motor city review, you know, we're playing moving on up. Like I know the horn line because I've played it in college. I know, give me some love in and all these classic 60s soul tunes. Um, so yeah, I wasn't doing backflips, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it takes a lot of courage to get in front of the mummers, though. That's I was thought, so, I, which is a very performative uh, um, life experiences. Yeah. <laughs> and Pamela, you said you kind of were playing out of the womb. Like, did you bo- did you both see yourself as performers when you were li- well? Ian, you said you wanted to be a firefighter, but Pamela, what did you want to be when you were little? Was it a? Oh, I I always wanted to be a singer. Yeah, I mean, there was always like little things like. You know, I was um, like veterinarian or whatever, but like it's oh, it's always been been music for me. Always, there's n- never been a second that I doubted it. My, and favorite places to perform? Ooh, I got I got to say I got to say one before that, just okay. because of COVID and stuff. My sister and I like after dinner, we used to always put on these shows. Right. And we would like come up like we would like my parents had like a curtain in the dining room and they would just like we would we would when we were ready, we would come out and perform something 30 seconds, five minutes, whatever. And I think if COVID's got like one cool thing, it's like bringing back to that, like, you know, there's a reason why there's a piano in your living room. You know, there you know, you are never too old to learn like a new skill or just one song. You can play, you could kill one song, one Elton John jam at your friend's <laughs> Christmas party, you know, and, and entertaining each other and getting back to entertaining each other is, is a really cool thing to come out of COVID. I think. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that growing up, everyone had a piano and there was always an aunt who knew how to play. And so like at Christmas, you know, yeah. not well, but enough so that everyone can gather around and have like sing-alongs. And then suddenly that sort of disappeared you know, in the, in the eighties and I, like, and sort of, it's not common anymore. And it seems to me sort of a tremendous loss of like family and like human connection, being able to sing with mm. you. And the, tra- um, yeah. the transition from analog to digital killed it literally. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now it's like the other way around because everybody's, you know, getting zoom fatigue and, you know, want to be away from, from technology for a little bit. So everybody's like, we're talking about, um, like for music lessons, for example, I've, there's been a lot of inquiries for um, adults um, taking music lessons now because they don't got nothing else to do. So why not? And nor do we. Nor do we. What a coincidence. Here, I'm open. Yeah. <laughs> and I, the other thing, I mean, I think I'll say about COVID, at least in my experience, it has made, made me reprioritize. So I would normally go to 17 meetings a week. Um, and you can now accomplish that via zoom or a conference call or a phone call. And, um, and I can, you know, not be kind of like passing in my son's life, but 
you know, like be able to hang out and play a game of Candyland. So mm-hmm. I've, I've walked away with um, a couple of positive things um, from COVID. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Being one of them. Yeah, um, definitely. All right. We have three minutes um, because we try to keep this because people's attention is spent attention spans are about an hour. So I'm going to ask you a couple of like lighter questions, but things that we ask most people. Um, I was going to say favorite place to play. Unless that gets you into trouble because you've said some place is your favorite and then you didn't say another place. I don't know. Does that Asbury park as a whole. Okay. Well, very, very politicians answer there. Pamela. (laughs) (laughs) You can now be on it. Stone pony summer stage gets it for me. There's nothing like staring at the ocean while playing. Yeah. True. And can I say, I guess you can't say worst place to perform. You don't have to say in Asbury. You can say outside of Asbury. How about you're both pausing? <laughs> a, club, a club that doesn't treat musicians right. That like vibe you out from the second you walk in. And, mm-hmm. and uh, that happens you like a lot. But like once the thing is, it's like it happens in our area. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that in a negative thing. But like when you travel Germany... You get treated like royalty. When you go to England, they do what they can. You know, you go to the West <laughs> Coast, it's cool. Like they're super nice and they want to do cool things for you. There are things that we can do to make other people who travel to our venues feel like more at home. Maybe like a postcard box where you can write a postcard greetings from Asbury Park to your family from England while you're at the point. You know what I mean? Like you could do like anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> And so one thing we always talk about, did you two like grow up? Come, so a lot of people who've come on our show, Joe Wright, have like mm. have stories of coming here as a kid. I'm, I came here about 20 years ago, but I didn't come here as a kid. Um, people have these kind of stories about coming here as a kid. Um, you both seem a little young for the rides. Oh, I, Listen, yeah. I think I, I'm young for the rides. Um, at that point, and I remember so, the rides. Oh, I was going to say I was going to loop you into me, Joe, but okay. I heard, um, I heard about them growing up like nonstop, like from. But like, was Asbury a place that you, either one of your families, came to as as throughout your growing up? Um, not so much. Uh, we, if we went, I mean, I, I grew up um, like in Jersey City and and in Sayreville. Um, so I wasn't always close to, uh, to Asbury park, but we'd always go down to like, uh, what is it? Point Pleasant. Yeah. Jenkinson mm-hmm. boardwalk for the amusement park rides and stuff, but yeah, never really Asbury park. Yeah. Amy, I think, uh, you know, considering their ages, yeah. there probably wasn't a lot here. Like the damage had already been done. So we'd been asking people favorite part of favorite thing about, uh, favorite building or place in Asbury that's no longer here. And I think. For their well, age. they could probably. I, yeah. I believe that they could answer well, that. Fast lane. I, I oh, was yeah. gonna say. <laughs> well, I, I thought you were gonna say the lanes. I was gonna be like, it's got one of yeah. them. Gotta say the lanes. Oh, yeah. Not Old. for me. I'm a ska dude, but like, no. The the lanes had so much awesome music there. Like, or I'm sorry, the fat. The, yeah, the fast lane. They, mm-hmm. The fast you look lane. Back at all those show marquees, you're just like, are you kidding me? Like. Why isn't that still going on? But I have one quick story. 2003, I went to see George Clinton and P-Funk. And it was one of the like last times and first times I was in Asbury. But last times, you know, I felt like I was in the city. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, where I was like, everyone here is from Springwood. Everyone here is from who lives in town around here and walk down the block. It was like a town thing. And it was like... It was insane, but I was way too young to be there. And I'm, I'm sorry, because <laughs> I know you were working there then. <laughs> um, I will say, so like 10 years ago, when I first, when I moved back to New Jersey, um, I was introduced to Asbury Park from uh, my boyfriend at the time. And it was 10 years ago. So on a Monday, so everything was closed for the most part. But it was the energy and just like seeing that there was art galleries. And I remember going to Russo's um, when it was still on Cookman and in the basement of uh, what Bond Street is now. And even then, you know, when it's when it wasn't this, you know, what it is now, I, you could still feel it. You could still feel the, the energy. It's hard to describe, but it's, it's literally like a, like a force of Asbury Park. And yeah, that, that it was literally that day where I was like, I'm going to move here. 
Like I, I, I didn't know anybody in Asbury Park at all when I moved to Asbury. I was like, I'm just going to do it. It feels good. You know? <laughs> and then we went on Zillow and we're like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, yeah. Hello, Freehold. Yeah. <laughs> well, 10 years ago was still manageable here because oh, 20 yeah, years. It was. Yeah. 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 And so, and I'll tell you, Pamela, the same thing 20 years ago. So 20 years ago, I was like, oh my God, the arch- gay people had been here because, you know, you get they had to save our city. horrible names. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so um, lots, you know, I could give you my politically correct answer or my answer, but so 20, 20 years ago, gay people were coming here. Not, and, and we were, we were usually fleeing other places where we were getting all die, you know, where, where life was unpleasant and, and every, and the whisper campaign in the gay community was like, you can come to Asbury. It's cheap and nobody's gonna, you know, type, you know, spray paint your car dyke or, or fag it or, or all of the things. And so, uh, you know, but I, I say all that to say, Pamela is like, there weren't, nothing was open back then or very, very little, mm-hmm. but there were still these pockets of galleries that were around and um, art that was around and, and the pony was obviously around and you, you still kind of felt, I had the same vibe 10 years before you that I was like, yeah. Oh my God, this place is like, cool. I can, I can, I can, I can, I can, I can make it here and, and this is where I want to stay. Okay. I have to do this very, very quick. Favorite movies. Selena. Pass. Oh. Okay. It's Favorite not, books. It's not, ba- it's not brassed off. I assumed it would be brassed off. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, um, line. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite, Favorite books. books? Uh, the Alchemist. Oh. Uh, picture books. Okay. Um, people who were in Asbury and are now gone and they can have moved out or have died. Oh, long pause. Um, I didn't personally know him, but, uh, Joe Howard, um, Mm. just with all of the art, that's one of the things that I remember, um, when I first came to Asbury park was, was his little garden. And I think that's one of the very, very special things that made Asbury Park special and weird was, you know, was, no, was his was a good, art he piece. He was such a good egg. He was such yeah. a good egg. Oh, yeah. Well, did right, I hit me, all of our things? I think oh, that's did it. Did I say yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Excuse me. Um, shout out to JJ. JJ is a longstanding Santa Claus of Convention Hall and the Asbury Park Christmas tree lighting and used to work for Madison for, or, you know, for the people down there, for everybody down there. And uh, he used to give these ghost tours like, like way, oh, she, like 2010, 2009. And they were awesome. And he showed you you know, tunnels that, you know, are from prohibition and he showed, he just knew everything. He knew everything about convention hall, everything about the beachfront, all these cool little things. And, uh, he's still with us, but, uh, not, not working for Asbury anymore, but shout out to JJ real, real friend, real good guy. That's an excellent shout out. Um, before we go, do you guys have, uh, any gigs or media presence that you'd like to plug for yourselves or friends? I got a couple. Where can we find you? Yeah, let us, you know, throw it out there. Um, Saturday, uh, Halloween, Asbury Sunsets presents. They're doing, uh, you know, some backyard stuff. Uh, Amy, I, I think you've been to a couple, right? Yeah, and, no, no. I'm friends with, uh, I'm, and I'm coming to that one. So that awesome. should be fun. Yeah, yeah. So we're sort of, I guess, headlining that one or whatever. We're doing four to five. And like, you know, we're also doing a wedding down after that um, by the carousel. And people can see, a very gored out brass band doing a sort of ode to the zombie zombie walk. We're also going to be playing Asbury fresh before all of that from 12 to two. We're doing that for most of the Saturdays leading up to Christmas. We'll be over at the holiday bazaar, wherever that might be with Joe Chib. And we're doing um, Asbury fresh Sunday, November 15th. In addition to all the Saturdays. I love one of the things I love about these outdoor performances that um, Asbury Sunset or Tim does. And and one of the places he does it is at Christine and Dan's. And I I came home from this event last last weekend, last Friday night and said to my wife, it's like the most fun I've had since COVID hit. There was a band there whose name I forget, but they're fabulous. Um, And then Uh, they had Connor Bracken. Was it this past weekend? 
It was the Bruce screening, right? It was the screening. It was the Bruce screen. It was the Bruce screening. And then it was, it started with a band whose name I'm drawing a blank on, which I feel bad because I would have looked it up if I knew we were going to bring that up. And then, but in the middle of this, of the Bruce movie, they had local actors, many of which live in Esbury Park, who are Broadway actors or people who are out of work right now, doing, um, an interactive play. So they come out into the audience, you have to give them words, they fill it in and then they, they come back and they read the whole story. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah, it was super, super cool. And they made this announcement, you know, because this is really loud in somebody's backyard, don't use inappropriate words. So you can't come over to my spot of people and have said all these appropriate words, or we're going to name every single inappropriate word we can possibly (laughs) name. For you to right. say um, out loud, which is, you know, of course, how the game should be done. So, um, so I anyway, I say all that to say that I, uh, it was, it was, it, it was a, the first time in the last eight or nine months that I have felt like I was having fun, and it was a normal night. Yeah, I feel that. So, so, the, so, the, so, so Christina and Dan's are is she, they're a great place to play. They're a great hosts, and they um, they bring a great crowd. So. Cool. And Although don't uh, ask us to give you words or else. Oh, it was Connor. It was, was it Connor? It was Connor Bracken and the Connor mother Bracken. Yeah. We we need to get coffee. What's up, Connor? If you hear me, we're going to get a beer, aka <laughs> co- no coffee, aka a beer, real soon. You know, I, I saw um the mother leads band at at the um the porch fest. The porch fest, and I was blown away. Oh. I'd never heard of them before, and I was like, this is a the, you know they're burning this guy's house down. Yeah, <laughs> on the front should, porch. I played a couple best. of shows with them. They're awesome. Yeah. And they're good friends too. They're, I mean, Salisbury Park, we're all good friends. We, uh, but, I've, I got, like, we, we open up Porch Fest on that porch, right? I get an Instagram story like, can you come to my daughter's three year old birthday on 8th Ave? I'm like, yeah, this is what we charge. Okay. <laughs> cool. Great. 4 p.m. Go down there, do that. As soon as we're done, jump right back to the house because we're, trying to catch his set and they've ripped it and then yeah. we just we were like like as soon as they were done we were like should we play more because like <laughs> everyone's just standing around like i don't want to leave at all like yeah it was I don't, such a beautiful I, day it was, it was I, I don't want to like sound like over 